Well, 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 friends, what's going on? It's your boy Sanchez, and I want to thank you guys for listening in, subscribing, and following our podcast. If you're not following us on social media, be sure to do that. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but you guys are in for a treat. Last week, we posted a sermon Cedric did a couple weeks ago that was kind of tied into a previous podcast concerning the hero's journey. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed that. This week, I'm actually going to post a sermon I did a few weeks back uh, that's dealing with uh, going deeper with the Lord, dealing with loyalty. I know that uh, there's a lot of you who are unchurched or in a weird place with church or you, again, you've been tokenized and you've been experiencing a lot of trauma. So I hope that you find encouragement in this sermon that the Lord gave me a couple of weeks ago. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Hey, 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 welcome live stream. Uh, Naeem dropped the ball. He was supposed to introduce me, but it's all good. My name is Sanchez Fair. I live here in Charlotte. I'm a pastor, I'm a friend of Mosaic, and I am excited to be here with you all. Um, live stream, you guys have my heart because it is really weird seeing people in person at church, but it's nonetheless, it's exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to got, uh, dive into the series and dive into the Word. And so uh, last week, Pastor Kristen preached, and so um, I figured the anointing of God was in this iPad, so... <laughs> Um, I, I'm gonna, I, I asked if I could borrow it because it was, there were some things that I feel like she sparked inside of me that are very important when we're talking about going deeper with the Lord. And so this idea of being Jesus on Monday, she couldn't have spoken my language any clearer because I am an Enneagram 4. For those of you are, who are into those sorts of things. Um, and so what that, what that means about me is I hate shallow and surface level, mediocre conversations, right? So I'm the type of person, if you're gonna talk to me, I'm gonna pull out the things in your heart and in your soul, okay? So we're gonna do that this morning. We're gonna do that this morning. And today I want to talk about two things. So are you guys smart people? Online, or would you consider yourself smart? Would you consider yourselves able to follow along? Like with a movie, you know what I'm saying? Like you might have different things. And so basically, in my black tradition, I'm gonna preach two sermons at the same time. <laughs> that was my revelation after like preaching and going through a Thursday. I was like, oh man, these are two different sermons. But if you follow along, you'll see the consistent thread, okay? So turn with me to Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and 27. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. Now, with this said, we're talking about going deeper. I'm assuming that most of you in the room are Christian. Most of you online are Christian. If not, it's okay. You're going to sit in on a Christian family conversation. We're having a family discussion. It's time for, to, it's time for us to evaluate some things, and we're going to start here. So go back this week and read this entire chapter and the next. But it says this, now large crowds were traveling with him, him being Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those are strong 
borderline fighting words, but let's dive into it. Let me pray for us. Uh, Spirit of the living God, we thank you so much and we honor you for all that you're doing this morning. I thank you so much for who you are and what you're revealing to us and, what, and how you've used our time at home online to reveal yourself to us, Lord. I believe that there's some of us in this room that are desiring to go deeper with you and to get to know you. There are some of us that are struggling and hurting. There are some of us uh, really, really uh, oppressed by bad theology and bad religion. And there are some of us that are just merely curious and joyful, and we are very, very much in a good place with you, Lord. So regardless of where we are, uh, Lord, I pray that you meet us where, right where we are, Lord. May I decrease and you increase within me, May the eyes, uh, may those with eyes have eyes to see. May those with ears have ears to hear your words in Jesus, in his name. Amen, amen. Man, this is so weird hearing people talk back to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've literally been in front of a microphone preaching to a screen full of people, which is cool. It, it has this purpose. It's great, but it, the energy in here is really, really awesome. Um, it's still weird not having a mask, but... We're going to get through this. And so uh, before I dive into my story, uh, I was like, man, like, I was thinking about it. I was in the shower. I had just left the gym. And I was like, man, like, I had this random question come to mind. And I, I want to ask y'all uh, this question. How, how many of y'all are still, like, keeping up with your New Year's resolution? Am I seriously the only? Oh, two, three, four, five. Let me take these off. That's what happens in COVID. You get used to wearing glasses because of screens. So there, there are very few of us that have kept up with this. That's all I wanted to know because I was just very curious. Um, but anyways, a little bit about me. So um, about 10 years ago, I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, which is where I'm from. That's my homeland. Land? <laughs> City? <laughs> and so um, I was driving a 1998 Ford Explorer. And most of you don't know me, but I used to travel, play music a good bit touring and that sort of thing. And so my car was at its, it was, it was almost at the end. It was a, we called it the Ford Exploder because literally I was at 300,000 miles and I was like, you know, Lord, I need a new car. I need a new car. And so being post-college, getting all of these letters in the mails about credit cards and car approvals and that sort of thing, I got this car approval letter for, you know, Nissan. And I was like, oh man, Lord, is this you? Like, okay, cool. Let's go with it. So I'm praying about it, and you know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Nissan and see what they're talking about. And so I pull up to Nissan and you know, put my car in park, and my car just literally shuts off. So I'm like, well, Lord, this better be you because I gotta get home somehow. And so, so I go into the dealership, and, and I'm talking to the guy, and he says, well, based on what you're pre-approved for, you have these three options. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So the first option is a Nissan Altima. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. Like I got some homies that drive a Nissan Altima. Like it's pretty low key. Like I'm, I'm single. I'm doing my thing. It's, 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 it's pretty sweet. Like, okay, I can make this work. Black on black. Okay, cool. Um, and then we have another car. I forget what it was. Clearly it didn't stick. And then the guy was like, well, man, like, you know, Mr. Fair, I know that you travel a good bit. Have you considered this car right here? And what he pointed to was a a Nissan Cube. And so in my mind, I'm like, bro, like the, the hamster car? I don't know if y'all remember the Kia commercials with the hamsters, you know, dancing and all this. Anyways, so, so I'm like, ah, you know, like not really my style, you know, but you know, we'll, we'll go for it. So we drove it around and, you know, it had these dope like LED lights. I'm like, okay, 
okay, we, we good with it. And then, you know, it had like the shaggy like carpet that you could spin around. You could put your phone on and it wouldn't slide anywhere. Okay, cool. Um, and then he told me the gas mileage and I was like, man, I'm, I'm sold. And so, um, which led me to a conversation with another friend who's about six foot four. He's a bigger guy. And we were just like, why do big guys and big people have to be in like small things? I don't know. Maybe it's an overcompensation for those that are smaller that have to have big things, but I digress. So I, I end up buying this car, right? And, you know, I got a good deal on it and I trade my car in. And then I moved to Charlotte in 2012 and I'm working with a financial advisor trying to get some things together, trying to plan my life, my future. At this time, I'm starting to transition from full-time touring. So life is, you know, unique and different. And he says, you know, yo, Sanchez, like, can you get me, can you get me the, like, statement on this car? Like, because I'm seeing your balance and something's not adding up. And what we realized, you know, after paying all this money and paying some extra payments um, and, and the balance not really shrinking, um, I, I had got my, I, I, I gotten my um, APR mixed up with my interest rate. <laughs> and so where I thought I had like a 2.7 uh, interest rate, I actually had like a 22.5% interest rate on the car. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what he said. He said, bro, like, what? What? bro, how did you make I was like, man, I, I, did, I didn't know. Like, I, I, it was my first time. I was just focused on being me, getting out of the house, trying to make my family proud by being independent, you know, establishing myself and doing all this stuff. He was like, but man, like, how did you not know? How did you not know the difference between APR and the interest rate? I said, well, the guy didn't tell me. And I'm afraid that when it comes to Christianity, many of us hear about following Jesus, but you have preachers and teachers and leaders that don't tell you the weight and the cost of following Jesus. And so when that interest hits, it gets hard. And, and when that interest hits, we get overwhelmed. And then now we're considering chapter seven bankruptcy. We're considering this car getting repossessed. We're considering like just the stress of life and how we're just not able to do it. And I'm afraid that with Christianity, and again, if you're not Christian, you're sitting in on a very honest conversation with somebody who really doesn't have any allegiance, so I can say whatever I want to, and it, it, it is what it is. So, so but, 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 but I hope you see in, in, with the tongue-in-cheek, like, this is where we are spiritually. This is why there's a decline in Christianity in America. And so, again, I want to talk about and unpack the cost of following Jesus and what it means to be loyal to Jesus. Y'all with me? Two sermons. Two for one. That's, you know, I went out to eat last night. I was trying to get a BOGO steak, and they would not do it at McCormick. So, but, <laughs> but, but also, I want to I admit one thing. I know, like, we're used to an American church for the most part, certain parts of American church. We're used to application and a three-step process, like it's an AA meeting. Like, that's just not me. Like, that's just not me today. What I want you to do, your application is to Go challenge what I say, go read, go pray, go contemplate. Because the problem is we're looking for quick fixes to everything in life and we're not taking the time to actually just think critically and intuitively about things and how they impact our lives, okay? So, so what I'm gonna say today is gonna be very, very, very strong. It's gonna be very, very passionate. Um, but if you have a problem with it, like it's, it's on him. 
You know, like I was telling Naeem and Ashley, like I did not want to preach this message because of what God is revealing. Because here are the two points for you today. I'm gonna go ahead and give, tease it up. Um, the, the going deeper is going to cost you your life and going deeper is going to cost you relationships. Going deeper is gonna cost you your life and going deeper is gonna cost you relationships. But there are two things I want us to consider uh, when it comes to this Christian faith in the context um, that we might hear every once in a while, we might know about, but there's salvation and there's discipleship, okay? And I wanna, I wanna really, really separate these things out and work this, uh, these two things um, together. So essentially, like, we have to remember that in the Bible, especially in the gospel, Jesus puts everything up front. If you go read Matthew chapter five, uh, through chapter seven, that is kind of like the, be- the Beatitudes, in my opinion, it's not only Jesus' like inaugural sermon, but it's the, it's the orientation process for the disciples. Like he's literally saying, hey, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, but best, blessed are those that are persecuted for the kingdom's sake. So you see this blessing and you see what is gonna happen with your life, but it's, gonna, it's going to lead to this. And so, like, there's a reason you don't hear these types of messages communicated because it's very difficult to deal with. But I'm afraid, and as a, I try to be a pastor and a communicator with integrity, it's unfair for me not to tell you the interest rate. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not gonna confuse you and say, well, here's the APR, just get baptized, just get, baptized, just get saved, just, just volunteer, and just give, and you're good. Your life is secure. Well, 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 to a degree, but there's more to it. There's more to it. It's, it's, it's not just salvation and then di- discipleship's over here. No, no, no. Salvation is a form of discipleship. It falls underneath the umbrella. And so, so what we see with Jesus, and this is something, again, context is everything. This is why I don't believe in going through Bible plans in a year. No, no, no knock, no disrespect if you do it, but because you might miss certain things like this that really, really makes the message of what Jesus is communicating. Because the question I ask is, in this passage, why did Jesus leave the crowd? Why do we see over and over and over throughout the gospel he, him leaving the crowds? Well, number one, it has to do with timing. There's a reason Jesus spent the first half of his life in Galilee, but this is why he had to leave the crowds because number one, he wasn't concerned about platform. He wasn't concerned with being popular. He really wasn't concerned with the large gatherings like we are in America, right? But, but, but the fact is he did not want to be a part of that because of who was there and who may have been present. Association. You see, within that culture, being in a large gathering <laughs> and gathering like that and not knowing who's there, like, you could be arrested for that. And Jesus didn't want to be an insurrectionist. No pun intended. That wasn't his thing. He did not want to incite riots because you had Sadducees, you had Pharisees, you had <laughs> zealots and all these people coming to be amazed. So there's one element of him not wanting to draw attention to himself because what? Timing. His time had not come. The other, the other reason is because he knew that there were only people there simply there to just be amazed, to see the miracles, to be mesmerized by everything that Jesus did. They want to sit over here, eat some fish sandwiches, and drink some of that wine that he's, he's made from water. But, but, but he's saying, hey, like, come follow me. 
And let me tell you what this means. And so when it comes to salvation and discipleship, I'm afraid that in our culture, we have people that are in the large crowd. And, and I'm not saying those are all saved folks, but we do have a lot of people that are just amazed by Jesus. They're amazed by his teachings. They're amazed by, by the words that comes, come out of his mouth. They amaze, they're amazed with the idea of what, who he is and what he has to offer, eternal life. Right? Like, that's why we do the Easter thing and the Christmas thing. But what about the other side? Because I can assure you Jesus didn't say, hey, just stop there. Come follow me. And so salvation and discipleship, that's where this conversation begins and our understanding. So here, here are a few differences. Uh, salvation is open to all who come by faith. We agree with that for the most part. Salvation is open to all who come by faith. But discipleship is for believers willing to pay the price. Salvation is for all who come by faith, but discipleship is for believers willing to pay the price. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus, while discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus. See these differences. There is no discipleship without salvation, and there is no true salvation without discipleship. Salvation is a part of discipleship, but your, relation, your relationship with God doesn't end at salvation. So, no, and again, no not because I was one of these people, and, and again, I'm, I'm being very honest, but, but imagine if people were truly discipled. And I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition where everybody was getting saved every week. Because of the toxic culture, the toxic religion, toxic, toxicity of purity culture, and all these things, like I can't do anything. Oh my gosh, I looked at that TV too long. I'm going to hell. I need to go repent. Whoa, 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 where's the spiritual formation of discipleship? Because last time I checked, my Bible tells me nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So it's very important that we understand what we're getting ourselves into. And that's why I feel my calling as it's starting to continue to mold is, is to inform people. No, like, let me tell you the realities of this. And it's not because following Jesus is awful. It's not, like, it is not awful. It's, honestly, it's the best decision that you can make with the right perspective. Understanding that your life is not your own. Well, what does that mean? And we're gonna talk about that. But what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. Imagine somebody that, that is like doing an internship for you or your job or your, your work or whatever. Like that's the posture of a, a disciple. A disciple is a student. It's a learner. When Jesus, uh, uh, you know, goes to visit Mary and Martha and, and Mary does what? She sits at the feet of Jesus to what? Learn. She is taking the posture of a disciple, of a learner, of a teacher going against culture, but that's a different sermon. Discipleship is used 264 times throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts. So I think there's purpose and there's meaning behind this. And I think we have to pay attention to these things because discipleship reveals what? The heart of God and the mysteries of God. And in discipleship, that's where you find the voice of God. Discipleship reveals the heart of God and the mysteries of God, and it's where you find the voice of God. And it says, and Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. The knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. 
Who is he talking about? The large crowds. Those that were just amazed. Why? Because magic was popular. Like, let me trick you over here. So they just thought Jesus was another magician in the, in the culture. Like, he's a great, he's a savvy teacher. He's a great communicator. Like, this is cool, but, 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 but the kingdom wasn't given to them. Why? <laughs> because it says this, Jesus says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Um, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because the disciples are asking, why do you speak to them in parables? And this is why. Because those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Very sarcastic of Jesus. Very, 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 some would say, if I were to say that, Sanchez, you're very condescending. And that's, that's only because I'm alive, right? Like when I'm dead, like, oh man, the, the fierce, jealous, courageous words of Sanchez, right? Because I'm no longer a threat, right? So, so it, you see how we whitewash Jesus and we've, we, we've softened it to fit our mold, but that when you get into this culture and this text, like there's way more underneath the surface. So we have to consider the tone of Jesus. Now, how should we view salvation and discipleship? A salvation ensures new life in Christ, but discipleship sustains that life in Christ. Does that make sense? I feel like this is more of a teaching moment rather than preaching. I'm here for it. I am here for it. Listen, you have no idea. Uh, so, so anyways, when there's no discipleship, just like New Year's resolutions, we give up on ourselves, we blame God, and we run away from the faith. Quite frankly, quite, to be, I'm being 100% with you. I shouldn't have said percent. I'm just being 100 with you, right? Like, like when, when we have no foundation, when we have no spiritual maturity and depth, there's no way our walk with Jesus is gonna be sustained. Now, why do people fear going deeper with Jesus? I, I personally believe it's because they confuse Jesus with religion and bad, toxic religion. And that religion and that toxic way of thinking and that half-truth, not the whole truth, view of history and theology that we have adapted, we don't want that. We don't want that weight. If following Jesus means I can't go have fun and do this stuff, then I don't want it. Like, I used to grow up thinking like preachers shouldn't be funny. What? I'm like the funniest guy I know. Like, what do you mean <laughs> preachers can't be funny, right? Like you're supposed to use the gifts that the Lord has given you. But because of this, we think that going deeper with Jesus implies this, women wearing skirts past their knees, guys, you know, being buttoned up because we have made discipleship a monolith. We have made it a monolith. Like, Sam says, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, if you really want to be a pastor and all this stuff, then you need to wear pleated khakis, you need to wear polos, you need to get those boat shoes, those Sperry's out of your closet from high school, and you need to be able to drink Starbucks, you need to make sure that your mug is here at uh, 11 o'clock, your Bible's here, your journal's turned here, and your glasses is here. Smile, Instagram, like, like what does this stuff come from? And there's no, there's no knocking people if you do that. <laughs> like, if that's your thing, go for it. That's not authentically me. Why? Because Jesus wants us to do what? Bring our full selves. And if you're not bringing your full selves to your relationship with Christ, there's no way you're really, you're really gonna, like, make it. Being something that you're not 
is not the way of Jesus. Jesus didn't say, hey, disciples, I know y'all are all from different tribes. You're a zealot, you're a tax, killer, a tax collector, you're from here, you're from here. Like, y'all just need to become very, like, Nazarene Jewish, and we're gonna be good. No. Jesus didn't tell the disciples to leave their culture at the door. So why are we telling people when it comes to discipleship, leave your culture at the door. Leave the way you speak at the door. Leave the way you dress at the door. Leave the way you approach scripture and, and, and think about God at the door. I'm sorry, God created us all in his what? And so if we are reflected in his image, then what does that mean? We have a vast, an incredible amount of perspectives in ways that we can learn and grow closer to God. That's why I believe in the multi-ethnic and multicultural church. Why? I get to experience God in ways that if it was just Sanchez, and if everybody just lived the way Sanchez lived, well, life would be a little bit easier. But I digress. But, but, but it, it, it would limit my perspective and understanding. Mind you, I come from a very much black Pentecostal holiness tradition. If I had not gotten around some Latinos and some black people, or some different kind of black people, some white people, some Asian folks, like I would not be here. I would not be communicating the way I do. I would not have people saying, hey, you're one of the most articulate black men I know. <laughs> I mean, we laugh, but that's actually an insult, right? Right, but, but it's, it's because I'm able to do what? Code switch in a healthy way. I'm able to be the Jew to the Jew, the Greek to the Greek. That's the beauty of going deeper and being a true disciple, but you can't stop with salvation. We cannot stop with salvation. It is not going to, again, it's not gonna sustain you long-term. And when Jesus is talking about, like if you think that salvation is going to sustain your faith, then what I'm about to talk about when it, what it's gonna cost you, there's no way it's gonna last. Because point number one, it's going to cost you your life. For some people, literally their lives. Talking to some of my missionary friends, always, man, it's always perspective. Because they can't do this. They can't do this. They can't gather online, they can't gather in person because the government's tapping everything and if they have large gatherings more than a certain amount of people, like they're all dead. It's going to cost you your life. That's why Jesus says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, what was Jesus saying about picking up that cross? It's a cultural reference. So wait, Sanchez, Jesus speaks and is relevant to culture? Yes. Yes. Let me help you. Let me free you right now. Bad religion says that you, you, you got to be in the world, but not of the world. You're right. What does that mean? That, that, that doesn't mean I live a separatist life. That doesn't mean I disconnect myself from other people. That doesn't mean I don't engage with what's going on culturally because it is the cultural context that I'm called to not only live in, but called to reach. If I'm not in the culture, how can I be salt? How can I be light, which is the, the, the ending of this passage? How can I be those things and those things that Jesus has called me to be if I'm not that? So when he's talking about picking up and carrying your cross, he's talking about the fact that in Roman culture, 
crucifixion was real. Hello, it was the Romans that crucified Jesus, not the Jews. And so you would literally see people taking their cross like Jesus did and walking and walking and walking. Why? Because it's leading to, it's leading to suffering. Your life is going to be not only connected to your relevance to culture, but your connection to suffering. And that's something we all avoid. Suffering. It's not fun. In the earthly sense, it's not fun. Be honest with the Lord. Like, Lord, take this cup. Like, you know how many times I pray to the Lord, Lord, please, yo, take this cup from me. I do not, I do not want it. But when the hand of God is on you, you can't resist it. He's going to pull you back. So Jesus is making a cultural reference while teaching these people. Why? Because he's saying like, hey, I'm going to show you all three forms of suffering. And I want you to write this down. Here are three forms of suffering. There's cultural suffering. There's relational suffering. And there's religious suffering. Cultural suffering, again, Jesus was murdered by the culture, by the Romans. And the Roman Empire was the dominant empire and culture of the time. Jesus was uh, relationally, he was abandoned by friends and family. Where were the disciples when he got arrested? Where, where, Where did they go? Peter, Judas, Thomas, all these folks. Abandoned. Where's his mom? Where's his dad? And religiously, Jesus was considered a false prophet by the religious leaders, by the Pharisees and Sadducees and the sects of the day. And Jesus, here's the thing, and here's the encouragement that you can find and that I find sometimes. Jesus, for the most part, stayed in opposition with religious people because Jesus didn't come to preach religion. He didn't even come to, if, if anything, if he preached law, he, he, he raised the bar. He raised the standard. But you have religious people that are literally condemning him condemning him. So we have to prepare ourselves for the necessary suffering of ourselves, within ourselves. And these are things we have to process. Nobody wants to not have people like them. Nobody wants to like be at odds with their family and their friends because they don't understand each other. But going deeper with God requires you to be culturally relevant and ready to face abandonment for the sake of Jesus for the sake of your relationship. And why do I say this? Because this is not about just doing this for the sake of doing it. This is about loyalty. Who are you loyal to? Where is your loyalty? Here's a tidbit for those of you studying scripture. The scripture, especially the Old Testament, you see this this dynamic between the Israelites and God and, and I really wanted to preach on the book of Exodus and, and the Israelites, their, their trust issues with God that in, rightfully are justified in some cases, but you see this dynamic and what is God after? Loyalty, allegiance, allegiance and divine allegiance and loyalty. Like that, the word loyalty is throughout the Old Testament and the Hebrew and, and I don't have time to, I want to spare you on that, but this is about Loyalty. So when Jesus says, hate your mother, your brother, sister, child, wife, everybody, and their friends, cat, dogs, and all, I mean, I know cats and dogs are very sensitive, but, but even those, like, like, this is about loyalty. And not only loyalty, it's about what do you value and what do you cherish? Where is your heart? 
Who has your heart? Where are your affections? But here, here, here's, here's the tattoo if you are into that thing that you can get on your heart when it comes to giving up your life. And it's encouraging to hear the Apostle Paul say in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So if you're laying down your life, you have other people that are there with you. The Apostle Paul, I have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. Sanchez can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Pastor Naeem and Pastor Ashley, I have been crucified with Christ. Pastor Kristen, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And why do I say this? And why do you need to be so sold out and confident in that? Because going deeper with the Lord and giving him exclusive rights is going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you relationships with family, with friends, Co-workers, loved ones, people that you've respected. Uh, man, one of, the, one of the most disheartening things during my deconstruction process was really dealing with the trauma and the grief of, of the, like great thinkers, the, theologians and pastors that I highly respected and, and how I had to literally detach myself from that. I had to detach myself from those relationships because I was going deeper with the Lord in a different direction. Transparency, the Lord really, really started to unravel some things about me, myself, my, my, and, and I, and my black identity, and my blackness, and me bringing my full self, and in a crowd of uh, majority people who, who don't see that and understand that, it was very difficult. You want to see how going deeper with the Lord and being exclusively loyal to him and, and, and following and obeying his voice really, really start to dive into some of these cultural issues, racism and justice. For some of you watching me online, I know some of my friends are watching, like it's cost you relationships with your family and friends by literally saying, I have the heart of God. The Bible speaks to the identity and the affirmation that everybody is created in God's image and that everybody should be treated as so. And because we were raised a certain way in Greenville, Possum Kingdom, South Carolina, we cannot... Accept that, Sanchez. Oh, so what you're telling me is you can't accept me. So it's going to cost you relationships, but there's good news in that. Maybe the Lord doesn't want you to be around toxic people. Maybe it's time for some of us, this cost and these relationships the Lord's given, like telling us to give up, maybe it's because it's better for us and it's better for our health. Maybe there's a liberation that God is wanting to do within us. But where is your loyalty? In the South, it's very difficult. Uh, for my, 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 my Latino friends, like when it comes to, and even black folks, like when it comes to family, family is everything. Family is everything. And I can't speak to, to you know, majority culture, you know, y'all figure your stuff out. But, but, but for me and my, and my friends, I don't, I don't say that like insultingly, but, but I'm saying like, like for, for those cultures innately, family is everything. When you have been oppressed for hundreds of years 
and you cannot rely on the system, the government, education to, to support you, the church and family, and kinfolk become everything. My loyalty still must be to the Lord. No matter how much I love my family, no matter how much I love my friends, this is literally picking up your cross and following Jesus. It's not literal hatred towards anybody. Why, why would Jesus literally mean this if he says, love your neighbor as yourself and even love your enemy? Huh? Like that? No, no, no. There's no contradiction here. It's, it, it, there's context behind what's being said. And we have to ask ourselves where our loyalty Where's our loyalty? Are we willing to give up these relationships to really, really follow Jesus? Are we really, really wanting to be one with Jesus? Are we really, really wanting to go after it? Or are we going to just be in the crowds eating those fish sandwiches and drinking that water and that wine? Oh, he healed somebody. That's great. Or are we going to actually take it a step further and through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us be able to do that? Be able to heal be able to lay, lay hands on folks and people come to know Jesus and not only know Jesus, but follow him. Like it can't just stop here. We live in a Christian culture where it's all about orthodoxy. Listen, I'm, I'm cool with going to toe-to-toe with anybody about orthodoxy, but don't talk to me and preach to me about what you know. Show me with your actions. What, what are you doing? How are you embodying Jesus? Because I, I can tell you right now, if you're not willing to give up your life and the things that make you comfort, comfortable to follow Jesus, and if you're not willing to give up relationships that are holding you back, that you've clearly outgrown, what's the point? You're always gonna be in this like Willy Wonka land like of, Chasing the golden, you know, golden road. I, I forget the narrative of the story, but you get what I'm saying. Like, like, like you're going to be in this fantasy world that doesn't exist. That's not reality. And for some of us who have tried to, like, y'all, y'all have no idea. Y'all don't know me that well. I have begged the Lord to take this gifting from me. To take, like, Lord, I don't want to be the guy that's, man, here's, here's the word of the Lord. Boom. Isaiah, Jeremiah, right? Like, I don't want to be that guy. But every time I try to go back to these relationships and make it more about me and what makes me comfortable, what am I good with? Because what we do when we try to seek comfortable, uh, comfort, we're just saying like, no, what can I control? What can I control? What's within my control? And so when I talk about loyalty and when I talk about the cost of following Jesus, what I'm really saying is, are y'all willing to give up control? Are you willing to give up the reins of your life? Are you willing to compromise some of these relationships that are pulling you back, holding you back from actually going in deeper with the Lord? I don't think it's ironic that that we're doing this series in living color and asking and and wrestling with this question of going deeper. Because I'm I'm trying to tell you right now, if if you try to go back to pre-COVID Christianity, you're not going to make it on this other side. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, (laughs) the Lord is not going to use old wineskins and old wine and new wineskins. The Lord is not going to, he he is clearly establishing a new way and a new life and a new beginning and a future that hopefully is brighter for the church. And if you're all trying to bring this old wine, I'm trying to tell you it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. 
It's not gonna last, you're not gonna sustain. And I say that with love. I say that with humility. I say that from experience. And there are some people outside, again, me and Naeem, we have this serious bromance, like hilarious, like relationship. But I'm saying, I can't get away from this passage. And one of the things the Lord kept revealing to me is there are some people, whether you're in this room, you're watching, I don't care what you're doing. There are some people that are wrestling and afraid to give up toxic religion that is literally keeping you oppressed. And that, like, y'all know, you know who I'm talking to and you know the way that you feel. But it's this bad religion and a lack of understanding and a lack of discipleship and a lack of somebody being patient enough to say, hey, we're going to walk this thing out. We're just going to go through the book of Joshua for a year. And we're going to learn. Because guess what? Like, if you can't, man, anyways, I don't even say that. But, but there's some people that, hey, listen, listen, I want, I, I, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. But you might have to give up yourself. And you might have to give up some relationships. And you might have to wrestle with where your loyalty is with the Lord. And that's, and that's, I'm going to conclude with this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read the words of Jesus. So in verse 28 of Luke 14, Jesus says this, for which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the costs to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. I don't wanna be that, I don't wanna be that guy. I came to know Jesus, it was cool bought into some, some, some bad thinking about myself that I'm just this horrible sinner and just awful person. You're not horrible and you're not awful. You're human. <laughs> How can you tell me I'm awful and I'm, I'm just terrible and then tell me I'm a child of God? I- identity crisis. <laughs> I leave you with a prayer. <laughs> I leave you... <laughs> Hit me up for coffee. Like, we can have this conversation for four, four hours. I say this out of love. I only preach from my heart. And I'm only preaching to you what I see coming and what the Lord has revealed. And I just want you to be free. But you have to understand the cost. Don't be Sanchez at 21, <laughs> buying a car, thinking, thinking your interest rate is your APR. No, 22.5% is real. 